1: Hello and thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast today. So today as I'm recording this podcast, pretty excited Re and I are getting ready for a road trip. If you follow me very much, you know we like driving around the country when we can and uh, this week we can. And so we're heading up to uh, Saratoga Springs, New York. That's about 16 hours from Atlanta area, the Atlanta area where we live. But we're gonna we're going to take it and make a week out of it. Ria's birthday is is coming up during this trip, and she's also running a marathon in Scranton, Pennsylvania, the day before we speak, in Saratoga Springs, New York, so it's going to be pretty cool, we're, we're going to be hitting it up, it looks like, in the middle of fall foliage, so it to be a pretty drive up through there, we're going to hit up Cage Cove up in Smoky Mountains, and uh, stop by Bristol, Tennessee, and uh, Gettysburg while we're up that way, so going to see a lot of stuff, but mainly we're excited to go speak Rhea's excited to go run that marathon it's her fourth marathon for the year but we're excited to go up and speak we're going to be speaking to 300 or so facility managers school facility managers from different school systems around throughout the entire state of new york so it's going to be a pretty good uh opportunity we're going to be speaking actually introducing those leaders to my book blue collar leadership leading from the front lines and help them understand how that's a resource for growing and developing their frontline workforce, for helping those folks learn how to lead themselves well in a way that that, that the leaders want to promote them and want to give them raises and, wants, and want to help them climb the ladder. In other words, that book is really to help the individual learn how to become a sought-after employee of choice. Anyway, let's get to today's, today's episode. So if you read the title on it, this episode is, is titled Leadership Lessons from a Frontline Machine Operator, and uh, if you're wondering who that's going to be, it's me. If you know my story, you remember the first 10 years of my career, I was a frontline entry level factory worker, operating CNC lathes, mills, and drills, and all sort of things like that, uh, machining steel parts. Actually, they were couplings for the power transmission industry, anywhere from a couple inches in diameter diameter up to a couple of feet in diameter so th- that's what i want to talk to you about today is i'm going I'm to tell you a, a lesson about responsibility but first i want to i want to share a story with you and uh, this story I, I can't believe i've been doing podcasts for five years and have never shared this story but you might have noticed i've shared a few stories the last couple of episodes and i went to my story file and pulled out some of the stories so i'll be sharing some of these stories that that I, I've captured over the years in some of these upcoming episodes. Anyway, today this, this is one of my favorite. And I've heard John Maxwell tell this a lot of times. He's always he always tells it when he's talking about responsibility. And he's usually got it on a laminated card when he's he usually reads it when he's speaking or whatever. It's been a while since I seen since I saw John, but he he used to carry a laminated card with his story on it. And I got a laminated card in my hand right now that I'm about to read the same story from. So here it goes. I think you're going to like it. It goes like this. It says, A man in a hot air balloon realized he was lost. He reduced altitude and spotted a woman below. He descended a bit more and shouted, Excuse me, can you help me? I promised a friend I would meet him an hour ago, but I don't know where I am. The woman below looked up and replied, You're in a hot air balloon. Hovering approximately 30 feet above the ground. You're between 40 and 41 degrees north latitude and between 59 and 60 degrees west longitude. You must be an engineer, said the balloonist. I am, replied the woman. How did you know? Well, answered the balloonist, everything you told me is technically correct, but I have no idea what to make of your information, and the fact is, I'm still lost. Frankly, You've not given me much help at all. If anything, you've delayed my trip. The woman below looked looked up and responded, You must be in management. I am, replied the balloonist. But how did you know? Well, said the woman, You don't know where you are or where you're going. You have risen to where you are due to a large quantity of hot air. You made a promise which which you have no idea how to keep, and you expect people beneath you to solve your problems. The fact is, you are in exactly the same position you were in before we met. But now, somehow, it's my fault. So I, I love that that story right there because <laughs> there's a lot of truth in that in that story. But every time I ever heard it, I could never hear it too many times because I actually I got a lot out out of listening to it. So I hope you in, enjoyed it and so uh that story i actually captured that that story is actually captured uh in in my book ten values of high impact leaders it's in chapter three uh, in the chapter uh the value of responsibility when you take responsibility you take control and that's another book i have i haven't done a podcast series on that yet but i'm sure one of these days one of these years i will i've got a lot of books and i've done a lot of series already but at some point I'll have series on on all of my books out here. But I like doing other things too, and and so t- today I am going to tell you, like I told you, the story that I had captured in that in that book in that chapter. But uh, I'm also going to share a story and enhance it a bit. But this story is actually captured in in that chapter as well. And you know, ba- basically, what this story is is it, it's it's a real life story about how a frontline machine operator leveraged, taking responsibility to get raises and promotions. And again, that's me. I, I was that frontline factory uh employee, machine operator who who did that. And I and I did it way before I read any leadership books on it. But the reason I put it in that chapter, of the story that I'm about to share with you, and again, I'm gonna enhance it a little more than this in this actually in the book. But, it's, you know, that story I shared about the balloonist, the, the, the guy in the balloon, wasn't, he wasn't taking responsibility, and he was casting blame to someone who had nothing to do with his circumstances. And they actually tried to help. He just couldn't understand them. They were a little too technical for him. But this story, maybe you'll like it, but I could, I could share endless examples from my 30-plus year journey of, of growth applying the value of responsibility. And uh, this personal sh- story I'm going to share, share with you Ill- illustrates what, what the principle looked like when it was practiced, when I practiced it at one point in my life. And, you know, I've got tons and tons and tons of stories, many, many stories where, where I've applied the value of responsibility to move myself forward, whether it's up the corporate ladder or up the corporate pay scale or both. Or just increasing my influence in general with somebody somewhere in my career. But if you want more details on my personal journey, check out my book, Defining Influence. Increasing your influence increases your options. That book has a lot of stories. A lot of stories I got wrong, especially as a parent. If you, if you want some, you want to see how bad I screwed up being a parent, check check out that book, Defining Influence. But there's a lot of there's a lot of foundational nuggets in that book that'll really really help you it's the book if i knew somebody was going to read the book when i recommend a book that's the book i'd recommend everybody to read first it's about 250 pages like 19 chapters most people think it's a big book it, to me it's it's a little book but it's loaded up with golden nuggets so put that one on your list if you really want to get serious and understand the fundamentals of influence and leadership so let's let's get to the story. My story, back back in the old days, back way back in the nineteen hundreds, nineteen ninety seven, that's when it was. I, I'd been, I at that point, I had been steadily advancing in my manufacturing career, even though I had a whole lot of character work to do. I was a good worker, so I kept getting promoted. I was a at that time, nineteen ninety seven. I was a machine setup technician on the night shift. That means. My regular hours were like 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. A lot of times I went in at 7 p.m. And, and worked to 7 a.m. Sometimes I worked 7 p.m. To, to 10 a.m. I mean, I worked a lot of hours back in those days, seven days a week. But I was on a night shift and responsible for knowing how to operate and set up nearly all of the 70 or so CNC uh, machines we had, as commu- computer numerical control, if you didn't know what CNC means. But uh, I was responsible for setting up those machines throughout the entire manufacturing facility. And so considering I had started my career in 1988, this was was, uh, nine years later, but I started my career in 1988 with the responsibility for only one very simple machine. And so I had already stepped up and asked for additional responsibility many times to be in that position of being a setup technician because I literally had to learn to operate pretty much all the machines in the entire plant, be able to not only just operate them and run production on them, but set them up and change them over from one part size to another part size or one, one type of part to another type of part. So nine years into my career, and I'd already made asking for more responsibility, a habit. Nobody had taught me that I had never read it in a book. I wasn't reading leadership books back then. I just had figured it out that if you ask for responsibility you get a lot of influence as long as you deliver results that's the key so now it was time to do it again so let's go back up to 1997. so now a new work sale had been added with several machines it had uh a twin a twin spindle lathe, the gear shaper and a vertical machining center and we had to do a lot of quality inspection there as well Throughout these operations, as we took a basically a a a raw a chunk of steel and turned it pretty much into a finished coupling component, so it was a critical it was critical to operations and was being operated by at the time it was being operated by someone who had many years of experience in the company, far more than I had. But but there was a problem, and this person I'm talking about was operating it on the first shift. And that was all they did was run that one manufacturing machining cell. And again, I was on night shift and I had to help the operators who were running the cells because there were multiple machines in each cell. When they'd have a changeover or setup, I'd, they'd call me. If, if I wasn't helping someone else, I'd go help them. So while they're changing one machine, I'd, I'd change it, one machine. And then they'd start sizing it in, getting the part, make sure the part was right. And, and, I'm, I, and I'm doing setups on the, the machines that, they hadn't got to yet so i it helped speed up that changeover tremendously but there was a problem on that first shift with that with that guy so after nearly a year with that veteran operator in charge of that new sale the output was it was still much less than it had been anticipated what they had expected it to be when they combined these machines because before they combined them they were separate so that the, and they had multiple operators running Batch and queue is what it's called, where they just run a pile, put them on pallets, and move them with a forklift. And then they set up this sale. Now you move one part from one part from one machine to the next machine and cut out all that wasted time of putting them on pallets and moving them with a forklift and storing them and all that. You just go from machine to machine to machine. Just common sense really is all it is. But the senior operator continuously gave negative feedback concerning the work sale to the bosses and the engineers, anybody who's trying to make it work. I remember this guy, I remember him complaining, most often complaining, it'll, it'll never work. It's too much for one person to do. What were they thinking? And I'm sure you can understand with, with his this attitude that he had, he ensured it would never work. He didn't want it to work. He didn't want to be working there. He didn't want to do what was right. He wanted to be right, meaning it's never going to work. So after a year, he decided to take another job in, in the plant. He had bid off of that job. He was tired of operating this work cell and was constantly in conflict with, with the, the people who were responsible, the leaders engineering, support people who were responsible for making it work. And so in, in other words, he was tired of banging his head against a wall and getting nowhere because he's telling them every day it won't work and they're trying to figure out how to make it work every day. But they basically were banging their head against, both of them banging their head against the wall for different reasons. But that that operator, he wasn't going to take responsibility for, for making it work. He was going to transfer it to someone else, meaning he was leaving, somebody else could deal with it. You're probably figuring out already who that somebody else was going to be. So when I heard this work sale was, was going to be open on the day shift, I, I was excited to apply for it. I didn't think I'd get it because I didn't think they'd want me to move. But whatever reason, it ended up working out. So during my interview, I said, I believe I could help bring the output up to expectations and would love the responsibility and the challenge of doing just that. And I was basically jumping up and shouting. I I didn't literally say this, but inside I was going, pick me, pick me. I, I I can and I will make it happen. And they did pick me. And they let me come off of that really important job I had that, I mean, it takes a long time to teach somebody to run 70 pieces of equipment. Most most of them are completely different, different types of equipment, different types of control panels, making different kind of parts, doing completely different things. But but they picked me, and probably but they probably did it because they wanted that sale to work. They really wanted it to work, and I was telling them I could do it and make it work, and I wanted to do it, and I was probably a breath of, fresh air to, to those those leaders. But one key thing, see, I, I didn't ask for a raise and I write about that in this 10 values book in chapter 3 the 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 values value of responsibility, but I write about it in my blue collar leadership leading from the front line book too. I teach the operators, I mean I teach the front line workforce this very principle that I'm sharing about right here with this story. But I didn't ask for a raise. Also, I didn't get a raise. But I did ask for responsibility, and I got that. I got the job. I also know what comes after you accept and master the responsibility you've asked for. I did get a raise and a promotion because that's, that's what happens. If you ask for responsibility and, and you master the responsibility... You're going to usually get a raise and a promotion in your future. I've done it over and over and over again. And I'm never going to stop doing it. I still do it. Every time I go into an organization and try to help them with cultural transformation, I'm asking for responsibility. I'm saying I want to help you make it work, meaning cultural transformation. But when you ask for responsibility and you deliver the results, it works. It's a principle. So at the time i was a machine operator i was not a machine programmer but without being told what to do or how to do it i accepted the responsibility for improving the output in the machine machining cell and i immediately started capturing the cycle time at each machine for every item produced in the work cell nobody told me to do that i created a spreadsheet so i could i could pick up where i left off the last time i was on a particular part last time I produced it because sometimes I wouldn't have many parts to run when I'd come in on the shift. So it took me a while to create this, all this data related to the cycle times and everything uh, for for each part that we were running through that sale. Then I started figuring out how to improve the slowest cycle machine, what we call the bottleneck of each item, knowing I I couldn't produce in the sale any faster than the slowest machine in the process. And I repeated that daily for months as i captured my data and then every time i was running apart i already knew what my target operation was and what you know that it was the slowest one of all you know however many four or five processes going on and i, and I would work to figure out how to make it faster and then i'd have a new bottleneck to work on the next time so as a result though i was responsible for doubling the output of the work sale so that's 100 percent increase in productivity in just six months the other guy, the veteran, said it would never work, and he never made it work after a year. He couldn't even meet production. And so after after six months, I had doubled the output. I had not complained, but I had taken initiative, simplified, and improved the process. Not only could I operate the work cell at this level, but also the operators on the other shifts could too. So I didn't just double my output. I doubled the output on all three shifts. Think about that. That's the equivalent of purchasing another machine making floor space available for it hiring three operators you can understand that costs a lot that's what I saved them they didn't have to do that to double the output because I took responsibility right there at the source I was there every day I wanted to take responsibility nobody knew what was going on in that area more than us three operators on the three shifts but one of us wanted to take responsibility the other two could have done it too but they just come in push buttons go home they didn't really complain about it it just didn't work out too good and on the second and third shift really no not a lot of leadership and support people there but i never said it wouldn't work i took responsibility and made it work after earning a raise guess what i got a raise but i never asked for a raise i didn't have to but my actions not only made me more successful, but also those on the other shifts, the supervisors and engineers shared in the success, all of them. We all won. And ultimately, the organization as a whole was more profitable. The whole team was better, not just me. I was just one simple operator in a plant with a few hundred people. But I made a big impact because I chose to. But there was an unexpected opportunity out of this. My results also led me to an unforeseen opportunity a few months later. See, unforeseen opportunities are the byproduct of asking for more responsibility. Don't miss that one. You may need to hit rewind and hear that one again. I'm going to say it anyway, so you won't have to. Unforeseen opportunities are the byproduct of asking for more responsibility. You ask for responsibility and you deliver results, they're going to be opportunities you don't even know you're going to get. So later, there was a highly sought-after CNC programming position that opened up unexpectedly. There were only two positions to support the entire facility, which had approximately, as I've mentioned, 70 different types and brands of machines. So usually when a position opened up, there were always a lot of applicants. Typically, the most senior operators had the best chance because they had the most experience. However, this time, things were different. I want to share a, a quote with you right here from Benjamin Disraeli. Des- he says, The secret to success in life is for a man to be ready for his time when it comes. That's a pretty deep quote. I was just a factory worker, but I was ready for my time when it came. So as, as I had worked to improve the machine cycle times on all of the items produced in that work sale, I also learned a lot. About CNC programming. In the beginning, I didn't have a clue about programming. After six months, I could rewrite the programs and make the necessary edits with, without having to call the engineers out to help me. They had trained me to do it without realizing they had trained me to do it because I wanted to learn how to do it. So I was paying attention. So I had learned to program the machines while only being required to operate the machines. I was over delivering, in other words. And programming wasn't my responsibility, but I made it my responsibility. And i didn't just come in and push the buttons every day as required like most machine operators do i came in and i did more than was required i did things before they were required and i did things better than was required and when the programming job opened up i applied and was selected to fill the position had i not taken on more responsibility as an operator i would not have been qualified and i also would not have built all those good relationships with the leaders and the support people and the engineers and the current programmers that I had built because I helped them. And they expressed their appreciation by giving me that position. So just like the last time in the interview process, I didn't ask for more money. I only asked for more responsibility. This time, however, I, I got more responsibility, more money, and a promotion all at the same time without asking. I had earned it. But more importantly, I got another opportunity to repeat the cycle. Amazing results and growth always followed when I took responsibility. Truett Cathy had this to say. He, he says, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And Truett Cathy, he was the founder of Chick-fil-A. He made a lot of stuff happen. He helped a lot of people. So this story that I just shared with you, my story, is symbolic of, of my entire career. Sometimes I got the raise in the organization where I learned and made the improvements. Sometimes I got the raise when I accepted a new challenge at a new organization based on my results at the previous organizations. I always consistently got the raise as I continued to climb the ladder of success and accepted more responsibility. I didn't ask for the raise, I got the raise. I get it in the company I was in, or I get it at the next company. All I needed was the experience. That's what we get paid for. Every day you get paid for your experience. If you don't get paid more, guess what? You need some more experience. Guess how you get it? You raise your hand, and then you deliver when, they get, when you get given opportunity. So think about it, though. When someone starts a new job, they do not receive their paycheck on the first day. They typically must first do the work, usually one or two weeks, right? Then they are paid for the work they've already done. Life is no different. Asking for responsibility instead of a raise is pretty much the same thing. Perform first and then get promoted and paid more second. As I mentioned earlier in this lesson, too, I think I mentioned it, but character is the key. Maybe I didn't mention it. I thought about it, but maybe I skipped over it. But character is the key. If you have the competency to do more but are not being given the opportunity to do more, take a look in the mirror. The face we see least is our own. Your character may be holding you back, meaning your boss doesn't think you are deserving based on character, not competency. Or your character may be holding you in place, meaning you are unwilling to make the changes and take the risks to move to another department or another organization where you could excel. In either case, the problem is not the boss. The problem is always within us. We are always responsible. And, and that's where we started out with the balloon story from John. I don't know where he heard it, but it was, it was good. But we were talking about responsibility. Not only did the balloonist avoid responsibility for the situation he found himself in, but he also immediately started to transfer the responsibility at the very first opportunity. It's the same exact thing that cell operator did when he got that uh, position in that cell. He transferred responsibility. It ain't never going to work. And he kept waiting for somebody else to fix it, and they couldn't fix it because the operator didn't want it to work. He's derailing the thing. Henry Cloud basically put it this way in in one of uh, his, his articles on blame that I read a while back. He said, blame is comfort food for the soul. There's a lot of truth in that one. Makes you feel good to blame somebody else, doesn't it? Don't do you any good, but it makes you feel good. So if, if you're blaming folks, stop stop blaming people. You ain't doing you any good. Our character development is the, the biggest obstacle along our career path, whether you know it or not. Many people spend years working on their competency, years gaining experience, and years earning degrees. But the majority of people spend very little time intentionally working on their character development. So, so I give you a round of applause right now. Uh, literally, that right there, that that was for you. Wasn't much, was it? I need me a crowd in here. Make it make it sound like something serious. But but you're listening. You're working on your character development. Most people don't. Keep doing it intentionally, consistently, continuously, and relentlessly, and your life's going to change for the better. That's what I can tell you because I know. I just shared, you know, one story. That that little story I shared with you was basically six months out of my 30-something-plus-year career. But I was doing that before, you know, But before I got that job on that machine sale to fix it, machining sale, and I kept doing it afterwards, still doing it. Somehow I got that one right. Then when I started digging into this type content, I started getting a lot of things right, and I really took off and started accelerating. If we want to change our circumstances and results, we must change the way we think. When you intentionally change your mind, your mind will automatically change your life. So if you change your mind for the better, your mind's going to change your life for the better. If you change your mind for the worst, your mind's going to change your life for the worse. I'm going to leave you with a quote from David Schwartz. He says, where success is concerned, people are not measured in inches or pounds or college degrees or family background. They are measured by the size of their thinking. How big we think determines the size of our accomplishments hope you got a lot of value out of today's lesson it was loaded up with, with some, some some wisdom some hard-earned wisdom some good stories lots of principles talk to you next time
0: make it happen or someone else will it might as well be you are you serious about taking your career and your life to the next level and beyond Check out Max Story's Blue Collar Leadership series books and others, now available on audio, along with paperback and eBooks at Amazon, iTunes, and Audible. Please visit bluecollarleadership.com to learn about Max's books, programs, special offers, certifications, and more. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Leadership podcast.